You're listening to Dose of Depth Podcast. I'm your host, Deborah Lukovich, and I invite you to be curious about your unique experience of being human. In this podcast, we'll explore the deeper meaning of ordinary life experiences through conversation, stories, and education. You might have a serious aha moment, or you might just be amused by the movie your life seems to be imitating, or you might just be entertained by one of my awkward stories. I'm hoping you'll become more aware of those moments when a deeper part of you is prompting you to see things differently and maybe even go a new direction. So let's get started. In this episode, I share a story I posted on my blog last year, May of 2021, and it's also my most viewed post. I was coming up on the one-year anniversary of having picked up and left my Midwest hometown and old life behind to start a new one in a Florida beach town. Getting the notice from my apartment leasing office about renewing my lease unleashed a whole new level of anxiety. Rereading this story makes me laugh, and I think you'll be entertained. Some of you might even find yourself in it, especially if you're being pushed to expand, but you can't see how it's all going to play out. I hope you enjoy it and will share it with others. You can find it on my blog at DeborahLukovich.com. It's called My Children Pushed Me Out of the Nest. A couple weeks ago, I had a mini freakout. It was coming up on a year since I had left my old self and life behind. I thought back to how the unraveling of my marriage, the dismantling of my professional persona, and the blow to my ego of not being able to replace the six-figure job I had left were the biggest challenges of my life. But all that was nothing compared to the intensity of the call that continued to scream at me. I had no choice. I had to leave. Damn it. No details about where the call was leading me. My transition place would be Jacksonville Beach, Florida, which was a half hour from my sister. It was safe, psychologically. I would be able to bunk with my sister's family for a bit while I found a place to live and a job, and I could be a real aunt to my nieces, whom I rarely saw. Maybe I could find a teaching job after I secured my PhD. My house sold quickly and for a lot more than I thought I'd get. This must be a sign, I was sure. Then COVID hit. I lost my temporary bartending gig, and my son was sent home from college. He moved in with his father, and I moved in with my daughter. Her roommates had been summoned home due to virus fears. We surprised each other by what great roommates we really were. Daily cleaning and cooking were my gestures of appreciation for my daughter, who had graciously allowed her mother to move in with her. She would laugh at me when I returned from my every-other-day trek to the liquor store. Got any martini glasses? I asked the wary store clerk one of the first days of the shutdown. Happy hour now began at three, with a Cosmo at home. And it didn't take long for me to join the ranks of the millions of people who felt a little paranoid about having turned into an alcoholic. The three of us, my son, daughter, and me, took the virus in stride, appreciating the unexpected time together. Scooby-Doo episodes and Star Trek movies were food for the soul, grounding us in this new, uncertain world. And then, my ex-husband, who struggled with alcohol addiction, relapsed again. It was never a good time for a regular relapse, but the added stress of this poorly timed one invaded the space between my children and me. There were explosive arguments between my son and daughter, between my son and me, between the three of us. And my son was really struggling with online learning. And now my sister was not comfortable with me staying with her family. Was this another sign? I can't leave now. 
I anxiously made a call to a friend. Do you know anyone who will rent me a place for a month or two? My son needed me. Then my body collapsed from exhaustion. I could hardly get off my daughter's couch, and not having a job made it even harder. Then I became worried I had COVID. My throat feels weird, I'd tell my daughter every few nights. I didn't have COVID, but I was so tired in this in-between space. It was not knowing what to do that felt like torture. How could I apply for a job if I didn't know how long I would stay or how long the shutdown would last? Maybe I'm not even supposed to leave now. My days included forcing myself to do tasks that I knew for sure I needed to do, tasks that would help me stay sane. I finished a draft of my memoir. I started writing the outline for my dissertation defense, and I started designing an online course. And my son, my daughter, and I had a couple of virtual family therapy sessions. I started to feel a little more grounded. Then one day, my daughter said, Mom, you should just go. Her tone was encouraging. Really? She was telling me to give myself permission to leave, just as I had needed to give myself permission to not want to be married anymore. I realized I had found what I began to refer to as my savior complex, this automatic projection that only I could fix things. I think my son had needed to see the worst of his father's addiction. Maybe it represented a kind of bottom for both of them. My son just wouldn't leave his father's place. I couldn't save him or protect him. Maybe that wasn't my job. Freedom. And then, one day I was getting ready for the day in my daughter's bathroom, with headphones on, listening to Tosha Silver, an astrologer turned author and spiritual guide, during one of her weekly Facebook podcasts. The gaze at my reflection felt more focused than usual as I put the finishing touches on my makeup. Time slowed down as I carefully applied mascara to my lashes and then my signature wild orchid lipstick. My freshly showered body instinctively inhaled deeply. And the breath, now colored with traces of residue from my insides, exhaled with force from my mouth. What are you most grateful for? The voice asked and quickly followed up with no list, just one thing, and don't think too hard about it. Freedom just came out of my mouth. It was a new level of stillness that had brought an unexpected answer from the deepest part of me. Freedom, I said aloud again. I was surprised and curious about feeling completely free in that moment. My body automatically took in another gulp of oxygen and held it as if wanting to stretch out this moment as long as possible. I hadn't felt free in so long. Suddenly, the density I had become accustomed to somehow melted away. My body became a subtle vibration that I imagined as a white light. For just a moment, I had transcended my physical form. I was dissolving into pure consciousness, and I wasn't afraid, for a moment anyway. I now realized that my children needed me to leave as much as I needed to leave. A week later, as I started driving away, they smiled and said, Love you, Mom. But I want a picture of you looking sad, too, I demanded, and then I laughed. If not for my children pushing me out of the nest, I wouldn't have gotten in my car and left. Those two amazing young adults knew that I needed to answer the call. And our relationship now is so amazing, it blows my mind. I never had this with my own mother. I drove away, and for the first half of my drive, I think I was in shock. And I appreciated the metaphor at work when I experienced downtown Nashville as a ghost town because of the shutdown, a kind of threshold between two worlds. 
Two days later, I completed the remaining nine-hour drive to my new home in Jacksonville Beach. I'm just a baby bird. I have arrived, I told myself when I drove up to the leasing office. To what? I wasn't sure. I was starting over at 55. Twelve months later, I still didn't have a job, but I could pay my bills, and I had the confidence to declare that I was a writer. I didn't know where it was leading, but it felt like I was going in the right direction. Okay, back to my mini breakdown. It all started with a tri-folded piece of paper that was placed in the crack of my apartment door. My breathing quickened and my skin felt prickly as I recalled the last time there was a piece of paper in my door that said, you will be forced to vacate the premises, or something like that. Apparently, I had failed to click the submit button on the second page of the rent payment app. At first, I felt relief when I began reading the piece of paper. My lease would be ending in two and a half months, and I had to decide whether and for how long to renew my lease. I kept reading. What? $500 increase to go month to month? I can't afford that. Commit for another 12 or 13 months? I can't do that either. What do I do? I felt trapped. Is this another sign? I started anxiously researching where I should go next. Affordable beach towns, progressive communities, liberal communities near water. And if I was going to stay for another year, I couldn't possibly deal with the carpeting. The well-trafficked areas were so flat it was an eyesore. I loved my place, but I couldn't imagine staying there if that stupid carpeting wasn't replaced. When I emailed the leasing office about this, the curt reply was, We only replace carpeting when tenants leave. I responded back, my words filled with irritation. I'm pretty sure you'll replace it after I leave, so why wouldn't you want to use new carpeting as an incentive to keep me another year? It was as if the universe had orchestrated the event to push me. To do what? I wasn't sure. My obsession with the carpet, the eyesore, manifested as impatient emails to the leasing manager. Her communication, or lack of communication, reminded me of the passive-aggressive nature of my marriage. My attempts to advocate for myself felt immature, like a temper tantrum. Negotiating required my inner bitch to come out. I knew I needed options. I was still too chicken to go out to California, where I had always dreamed of living. I had met a man who was from Maryland, and I still had a fantasy that we would meet again. Well, that was the push I needed. I secured the cat sitter, and I got in the car two days later for my road trip up the East Coast. I drove for nine hours, and then I pulled into the parking lot of a lovely Italian supper club in Petersburg, Virginia, right before closing. I relaxed. The homemade meatballs and personal-sized pizza felt like comfort food. And the upside-down dining table, chairs, and dishes that were attached to the ceiling made me smile. Then I headed across the street. The literal part of me tilted my head in confusion when the nice attendant at the Quality Inn Hotel asked me, Would you like the $89 rate or the $99 rate? Um, I took the lower rate, of course, and then the man said, Please tell the manager you appreciated my service. I said I would. The next morning, I finished my trip up to Annapolis, Maryland. I found a quaint restaurant with sidewalk seating on the narrow brick road that circled the state house. I sighed when I noticed the blooming tulips and then enjoyed a sip from my glass of red wine, which was accompanied by a salmon salad outside Harry's. I was grateful that my anxiety took a break and I began to relax into what could be my next adventure. Because of COVID, I was able to afford a night at the Graduate Hotel. I could live here, I thought, after finding a couple affordable apartment buildings online. A day and a half later, my stop in Old Town, Alexandria, Virginia was even more enjoyable. 
The mixture of historic, contemporary, and lively energy felt welcoming. I enjoyed a nice glass of red wine and dinner at a restaurant on the harbor. I could see myself living here too. And then I headed back home, spending another night in rural Petersburg, Virginia on the way. I enjoyed a fish fry and a bearded older gentleman who played songs from my youth on an electric guitar. And the next morning I headed home. The road trip had helped me breathe better. I really could just pick up and leave. The day after I got back, irritation returned as my carpet negotiation continued. As much as I had enjoyed the road trip, I realized my compulsion to pick up and move was a disguise for the fear of how my life was unfolding. Am I crazy? I said to my sister on the phone. I was finishing a second draft of my memoir. A major publisher had asked me to strengthen my book proposal to publish my research, and I knew some kind of work was going to come from all this. Why would I pick up and move now? But I still felt trapped. The carpet obsession had meaning, and I had to see it through. The day after I returned from my road trip, I spent one day finding another apartment option in town. I notified the leasing manager that I would not be committing to anything nor filling out the most recent customer satisfaction survey until the carpet resolution was complete. Having options, which allowed me to feel empowered, made me feel better. Now I didn't care which way it went. If I got new carpeting, I would stay. If I didn't get new carpeting, I'd stay in town but move to a new apartment. And then I just let it go. That night, I had this dream. I'm standing in the bathroom, and my external sex organs, my labia, my clitoris, my vulva, are all huge and hanging out of me. It scares me. I say to someone, go get mom. I got the news the next day. You are the first tenant to get new carpeting. Well, I guess I'm staying for another year. What about my dream? The oversized symbols of creativity cannot be contained any longer, I told myself. I will be rewarded for surrendering to what seems to be unfolding in my life. Intense, bold creativity that will entertain and bring healing to millions. The past doesn't exist. One morning, soon after all the drama had subsided, I wondered whether my road trip had actually been a dream. I really couldn't feel it. There was no evidence of the trip except the photos I had taken. It reminded me of the moment I realized that all the amazing stuff on my resume really didn't matter anymore. It was like it never happened. Sure, I could point to my activism 16 years ago as having contributed to bringing our urban beach back, but really no one who goes there now cares about how it happened. They just enjoy it, and that's the way it should be. Then I remembered that when my marriage was falling apart and I was grasping for meaning, I decided to read through The Course in Miracles. My mind was blown after I read the first lesson. This table does not mean anything. Nothing in this room means anything. In essence, there is no meaning except that which we give. I recalled that right before my daughter told me it was okay to leave, I had experienced a feeling of liberation that I hadn't felt before. I felt released from the past and all the ideas about it, and I wasn't afraid. For a moment, anyway. Fear returns from time to time as I practice allowing into my life what wants to come. In the moment I wondered about whether my road trip was a dream, I was released again. Stay tuned. How about you? C.G. Jung warned that complexes are particularly triggered during times of stress. Before you know it, you end up doing or saying something for which you will be doomed to feel embarrassment. Or you get swept up in an energy that makes you do crazy things. These are events, 
that are invitations from your psyche to grow as well as express pieces of yourself that have been held back. When you are swept up and overtaken by mysterious forces that make you do things out of the ordinary, like take a spontaneous road trip or get swept up in a romantic encounter with a man 17 years younger filled with irony, there are so many insights to be gained by finding meaning in the symbols, metaphors, and emotions. Try this. Journal about the last time you did something for which you felt regret or embarrassment or something for which there's deeper meaning than you saw at the time. Can you find the metaphor or the life lesson you learned or were supposed to learn? Can you find the pattern of thinking or behaving that might be getting in the way of something or some place that's calling to you? Ask your dreams to help you out. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can find it on my blog, along with a story I shared recently about my evolving relationship with freedom. That one's called My Strange Relationship with Freedom. I hope you'll check it out and share this podcast episode with others. I'm your host, Deborah Lukovich, and you are listening to Dose of Depth Podcast. To get updates on new episodes, my writing, and how I teach my clients to get to know that deeper part of themselves, go to DebraLukovich.com. Oh, and if you're not ready for a coach, learn what my clients know in my book, Your Soul is Talking. Are you listening? Five Steps to Uncovering Your Hidden Purpose. You can check it out on my website or get it on Amazon.